0: righty, it's time for another Root Issues Podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Luke. Luke. That's Mr. Luke. And we are here today to kind of kick around and talk more on yesterday's awesome message. It was brought by John Columbus, Columbus.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there's anyone visiting the church that's yeah. here for like a month. Who's like, is, why is there a pastor, a new pastor?
0: Yeah, where, where, where is the pastor? Yeah, I wasn't going to go there. I mean, I work with Steve. I wasn't going to go there. Like, where, where's Steve? Or like, maybe like somebody came to this church and they were like, wow, the pastor at the church is awesome. I mean, I think John kind of alluded to the fact that nobody's here, you know. No, well, then, I think it's a good thing too. Because, yeah, no, you know, we I mean, body it's,
1: church. is cool to have different people talking. No, no, so. no,
0: totally. And I mean, Steve has always gotten great props mm-hmm. on... You know, not being a pulpit hawk. Yeah. You know, not keeping it for himself, not letting anybody else, you know, I mean, he's growing a whole team of talent, you know, I mean, sharing the love, you know, sharing the love. Yeah. Oh, and that's what John talked about last night or not last night, but yesterday. Yeah. He continued on in Steve's first John series. It's called this is love. And John kind of took us and picked up kind of where Steve had left off before Steve had taken off for these last couple of weeks. And he was in first John two seven through eight and john titled his message a new parentheses old command and so we're going to be jumping in of course on the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment and we're going to be kind of kicking that around so the conversation today is on love 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 Love. and so luke when was the first time you think you could probably nail or identify that you felt
1: love it's probably from my mom when i was younger yeah. I assume that's the first instance. I, yeah, that, that's an interesting question. Like, when do you when do you understand that the care someone g- is giving you is not out of necessity, but out of because yeah. they love you?
0: Well, I mean, if you don't define love, then, I mean, how do we have any basis on this? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, John's going to take us deeper down the rabbit hole into some of the Greek, which we're going to attempt to pronounce. I might just throw it over to Luke because I don't really speak Greek. I don't <laughs> but, I mean, it's like if you don't have a basis of, like, what is love? Yeah. I mean, you know, Aretha was like, what's love got to do with it? Well, Aretha, what what is love? Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, working with middle schoolers, you know, always looking at what's the baseline definition. Yeah. You know?
1: I think it's, I mean, with having the Bible, it makes it pretty easy to understand, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. love is kind, love is pure, Um, love does not boast, love does not envy. So you can go through that list and you can go through the fruits of the Spirit, get all those attributes to what love is. And then Jesus kind of lays it out, too. Like, love is to lay your life down for Mm -hmm. someone else. And that doesn't just have to be physically right. You can lay lay your your time down. You can lay... Yeah. You can... Yeah. I mean, like, my mom, she pretty much laid her life down in Mm -hmm. the sense of, like, she... Her life for... 20 years was raising me and jonah yeah
0: totally Uh i mean she's still raising jonah yeah she's still raising me too yeah (laughs) yeah she never stops yeah but i mean yeah and that was a great example because in middle school yesterday we were talking about just discipleship and then the fact that jesus was talking about boom you're gonna have you know there's gonna cost there's a cost of discipleship and then you know one of the sharp little middle school girls she was like you know my mom had to rearrange her priorities mm-hmm. because when I was born, she became just a stay-at-home mom and left her career, and her priorities shifted. And as we're disciples of Christ and following Him, our priorities shift. Yep. And so, when we think about love, I mean, I'm like, I'm trying to think like. Yeah, like I always knew my mom loved me. I'm trying to think of maybe like that first experience maybe with my father, you know, because I think a lot of times we look at fathers and give them a bad rap of like, you know, they're the provider, they're the protector, you know, but maybe like that first time, you know, that dad stepped into my life and and I felt love from him through the way he he, he expressed love, which might be, I mean, that man was incredible. We had a life-size Star Trek shuttle. From wow. the USS Enterprise in our backyard. Nice. Made out of plywood. Yeah. That's pretty
1: cool. Yeah. And the thing about love too, especially in a parent relationship, uh-huh. is like sometimes we don't realize it was love until mm-hmm. years down the line, right? So Until you really get down <laughs> the line, you know, but I, I, mean, I think of
0: that fifth grader, like, wow, you know, she can observe that priority shifting is a way of giving love, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, I think Jesus showed us that ultimate shift, like he's part of... He is God, He's part of the Trinity, but his role was like, all right, shifting priorities, I'm going to live with them so they know who my Father is, so they know love so that they can rejoin us in that relationship
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so the old and new command, so do you just want to rattle that off, Luke or oh,
1: I mean' have yeah. it in front of me so
0: well, you know, no, I mean, yeah, rattle it off well, what's well, the old command? What's God? the first command?
1: Of God, right? With, with what? Others, with all your heart.
0: So, yeah. Okay, come on. We're talking Deuteronomy. So John <laughs> is definitely. I mean, we're dealing with a lot of Johns here. We got John the Gospel. We got First John one, two, and three, which is where the series is camping, and then we have John teaching it. A lot of Johns. <laughs> a lot of Johns. And so, John is First John, John the author is talking about this command and you know it's referring all the way back to Deuteronomy it's he he brought it into the the message yesterday out of Matthew where you know Jesus was being tested like hey what's the greatest command and 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 Jesus is like love the Lord God with all your heart all your mind all your soul all your strength love God with everything and then Jesus was like and the second greatest command is love your neighbor like yourself Mm -hmm. and so we're talking about love and then John Columbus the speaker I think he did a really great job on challenging us. How do we see love and how do we give love? And so let's talk about it like, you know, because we say we're going to bridge the generational gap. And Luke and I were just talking about it before we started. Like, I'm like, is there that much of a generational gap or do we just want it? Because I'm like, the things that youth are struggling with today, I think it's the same thing that adults are struggling with. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it just passes back and forth. Yeah. So in your generational view, like what's the, I mean, take yourself out of your knowledge of Christianity, out of your knowledge of experiencing a love, but just looking at kids today, what is like their number one thing they use to express love to one another?
1: Ooh, it could be tagging someone in a social media post. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, it could be. Um, I think, I think people, the, the, the way they view love Uh is a way to benefit themselves, right? Absolutely. In a selfish way. Yeah. So that kind of changes the whole narrative of like, why do I seek love? It's for myself. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was talking about today, we love because we want to, you know, share the gospel when it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, so the way I think people do it nowadays is they they love to benefit themselves. So ways they share love is like, you know, they make themselves look lovable Mm -hmm. so they can attain love. Yeah. So there goes a lot to building that image, to Mm -hmm. building that persona, to be able to be loved. Yeah. So you can experience love. Right. Um, So I think a lot, I think (laughs) a lot of people's lives going, go into that, like make themselves lovable.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, and I mean, I try to think back, like, you know, because even today, you know, we look at being lovable. I mean, we're going to do a shout out here for Carl and Nicole because they sent in a comment like, you know, Nicole was experiencing some immediatism, needing to know right away, like, is Chris now sweet to his wife? You know, Elaine, Mm -hmm. you know, and I had to reply back like, yes, we're better. But then I was sharing with Luke, like, not just four days ago, I spent a great deal of time in my journal talking about how to be sweeter to my wife. And so there's this image that I need to create myself to be sweeter to my wife. And I'll be honest, like, I think always, like, well, if I'm sweeter, she's going to love me more. I made myself more lovable, mm-hmm. which is a crazy concept. Like, how do we make ourselves lovable?
1: And is, is that a necessarily a bad thing, too? In sense, I guess it depends what your motive is, right? Yeah. So.
0: No, I mean, it's a quid pro quo. Elaine gets a sweeter husband, and I believe that she leaves, loves me more. I think Elaine would say she loves me unconditionally. No matter how sweet I am, she has love for me. Her life goes a little easier if I'm sweeter, and I'm yeah. not like this crotchety, gr- grumpy old man because <laughs> she's always like, don't become... A grumpy old man, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm already am, but, um, so, so when we think about it, it's like, so John brought us in and he, 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 took us straight into scripture, you know, looking at first John seven, eight, one through eight, and he's just examining some of the verbiage. It says this, dear friends, I am now writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. That
1: just reminds me back of like John 1, 1, right? Yeah, totally. In the beginning was God, in the, the beginning Word was God. So like, yeah. in other words, like in the beginning was love, mm-hmm. and there was just love. There was just <laughs> love, yeah. There's
0: just this expression of love between, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, they're this perfect triune thing and i I don't know like parents of daughters you know you're always like three's bad three's bad three's bad you know because if you get three girls together then two of the girls are going to want to do one thing and the other girl's going to not want to do something that they're doing and then somebody gets left out so you're always like if we're gonna have a play date we need like four we need (laughs) we need equal number like so if two want to do something and then the other two want to do something there's no griping yeah but yet in god the triune is complete and perfect and there's never any disagreement. Triangles are powerful, man. They are powerful. They're strong. <laughs> and so, so John Columbus, the speaker, he took us through like Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through thirty, where Jesus is being questioned. Then he takes us all the way back to Deuteronomy six verses four through six, and then Leviticus nineteen eighteen. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Leviticus here. Right. It says, "Do not seek revenge." Or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Okay. So why did I do that? Why did I go there? Because everybody's heard Deuteronomy 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love your Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. But, I mean, even when we talk about that, like in middle school or in high school ministry, you know we talk about like you know and then jesus said the second greatest command and i think people forget that the second greatest command was part of the torah mm-hmm. that we just read in little leviticus love your neighbor as yourself yeah and so it's kind of giving some props that both of those commands have been around those commands have always been instructed to god's people like you want to live you want to live well do this so- love me
1: love god and love other people. Mm-hmm. When it says love, love people as you would love yourself. Essentially, yeah. right? What what happens when someone comes up to you and says like, "Well, I don't love myself, so I don't have to love other people." What's your? Well, response I mean, to that's that?
0: my favorite thing. Like, I can commit, you know, a, the perfect like, boom, yo, to heck with you. Well, Why did you say that? You hurt my feelings. I, I'm just really not feeling good about myself right now, and I just wanted to complete the second greatest commandment. I loved you as I love myself. I mean, this is an easy tie-in mm-hmm. because I think it is impossible to. Complete and fulfill the second greatest commandment unless you've completed and fulfilled the first greatest commandment. Because when I spend time with God and when I love God, then what's reflecting back to me is who I am. How does he see me? And so the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, the things that I'm beating myself up with that's going to cause me not to love my neighbor or to treat my neighbor poorly because I'm feeling bad about myself has elapsed. God has taken care of those negative feelings of myself and then put me in a place to where I can be like, dude, God is so incredible. And there's so much love. I got to go love other people mm-hmm. because I actually love myself because I'm seeing myself the way he sees me. That's cool. And so that's yeah. kind of how I've always looked at that because I've always seen that catch 22. Like, yeah. why'd you cut that person off in traffic? Ah. I just don't like myself today, and so I wanted them to be frustrated too, <laughs> you know. But if I spend time with God, if I'm taking in who does God say I am, then I am a gentleman, and then I am sweet, you know. Yeah. And so maybe there's some of the root, like I don't take in enough of who does God say I am, so therefore I'm not always as sweet as my wife would want me to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Time to go buy flowers.
1: And then I think we have to make a big distinction too between like. Loving people and also being pushovers, right? Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the like the long term. Like,
0: oh, I'm just a Christian, so I'm just a doormat. Yeah,
1: exactly. Have you
0: ever been a doormat? Is that a question? Yeah, that's a question, I've Luke. A <laughs> Have you ever been
1: a doormat? Has somebody ever just walked all over you, and you let them? Um, not in a big way, but I feel like I'm not in situations where that could happen too often. Okay. Um, but I I think the problem with me is I don't. I don't put myself out there in a situation where okay. that could happen to me. Okay. So maybe I'm protecting myself. Um, but I'd like to think if I okay. am in that situation that I'd stand up for myself and okay. not, not be walked over. But, okay.
0: But I mean, it's like, you know, how are you loving them if you stand up for yourself?
1: Cause I'm standing up for truth and right. And telling them the truth uh-huh. and what's right is really loving them. Cause I'm not going to lie to them to make them feel good. And that's not love. Well, are you, are you shouting, shouting the truth? Probably,
0: I mean... Are you shouting at them? I- ideally not. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, you know, when we think about it being a doormat, you know, here, 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 here's my thought for you. Like, one, put yourself out there more, uh-huh. okay? And I'm, I'm sure you do in business where you're like, no, that's my price. And mm-hmm. then somebody tries to chop you down your price, like, dude, I am not paying you that much an hour to fly a drone over my land. Well, if you want me to fly my drone, you're paying me that, right? Yeah. But being a doormat has so much more to doing with the individual that's becoming the doormat than it is the person who's making them a doormat Mm -hmm. like if i know my value is from god and god gives me my value it really doesn't matter what somebody else thinks and then when i carry that persona i'm sending out like wow like you know He knows who he is, and so we can't walk all over him. If they try, they're not going to make me feel like a doormat because I'm like, no, God, you value me. I'm not going to do business with this person, or I'm not going to continue in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Because I'll be honest, like, you know, if somebody is shouting something that's not true, like, hey, God's crap, God, you you religious people are all wrong. You're all hypocrites. Me having a conversation with him outside of the Holy Spirit just falling upon that person— I'm not going to change their mind in that moment. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do better by just loving them and say, Hey, peace to you, brother. And walk away. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, stirring up in, in the agitation. And I, John kind of alluded this to us. Some, he hit us with some hard questions. John, the speaker hit us with some hard questions from John, the author, <laughs> too many Johns. Wow. We're never doing this again. <laughs> um, but, he was asking us as a church, how does our community, and you may not go to Crossroads Church, you may be listening to us somewhere else, um, but what is your church? And how is your church seen in the community? Like, are they seen as people who take care of themselves? Or are they seen as people who take care of the community? But like, what is the image of the people and of the love of God that's coming out?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I look at this church, I see, I see, I mean, I see honesty and truth. Uh-huh. Um, I can look back, like when I was in Mexico, I was in a taxi cab. Yeah. And I was talking to the guy driving. He was like, hey, so what do you think about church? Do you, Are you a believer? You know, yeah. trying to talk to someone. English wasn't great, but yeah. what I got from the conversation is like, no, the church just wants my money. Yeah. And so it becomes so dangerous when that becomes, even if the church isn't like that, when that mm. becomes the persona. Yes. And when people start thinking that way, because it's just yeah. a turn off, and I think it's such a big tool for the devil to use. Yeah. And so- I mean, at this church, like, you know, we have people like you and just reaching out to the youth. Yeah. There's, there really isn't a benefit to reaching out to youth if you're looking at, you know, money or. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> any of the hey, give you me game. your money. Yeah. We, <laughs> like tithing. Yeah. Here's the tithing if you guys yeah. want to tithe some money. um, So, you know, you can, it's pretty easy, I think, to yeah. see honesty in a church. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, even like my, one of my friends, like his dad's biggest turn off to church was like, oh, they just want my money. Yeah. Just yeah, the money, the money aspect. And I mean, it's
0: like, you know, and I think for us as the people of the church, because I mean, we all know that the church isn't the building, the church isn't the location, mm-hmm. but it's the people, it's the lives who come together in brotherhood and sisterhood to say, hey, we are all followers of Christ. And I think, you know, we always have to remind ourselves, like we have an enemy who's trying to put a perception into everybody else's head that this is what we're about, yeah. or that the church is about money, or that the church and God are about rules and just wants to kill our fun, that, you know, there's just all these things. And so we have to even present our case, our love, we would say, with more emphasis like our love to the community has to be greater than maybe what it is at the moment, simply because the community may already have like a predetermined view of like, oh, well, that they're a Christian, yeah. so they're going to think that way. or oh, they're a Christian, and well then, then they can't they, they they can't vote democratic. <laughs> you know, like you know, like if you sign up for Jesus, you have to be a Republican, mm-hmm. you know, which you know, isn't the case. You know, and I think our church here at Crossroads, I think we've done a good job of, like, you know, how do we view politics? You know, well, politics isn't what we're coming here to discuss. You know, politics is what we are involved in in our culture. Here, we're about Jesus. And and we can't, like, put a label on a political party that, oh, that political party is all Jesus and this political – I mean, some people would argue because of their stances and such. But the bottom line – that first John is talking about and that John was sharing us on Sunday is like how does the community know our love? Mm-hmm. And so I mean that's just a big question. Yeah. So when you represent this church, this body, how do you show people your love?
1: It's through actions most of the time, right? Okay. Words don't mean too much if it's just words there are no actions behind it. Yeah. So, you know, being there and actually showing up. Yeah. someone asks you to,
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a a starter, right? (laughs) Like being people of their word. Yeah. Like, you know, we should be people of our word because we have love. And if I give somebody my word, like, hey, I'll be there. I'm going to help you move. I should be there because that's a reflection of my love. Mm -hmm. If I don't show up because I'm like, ah, I forgot that game is on. I don't want to get out of the couch. It's Saturday why does everybody move on Saturday? <laughs> I'll skip work to help you move.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a personal experience, Chris. Yeah, no, not really. Not, <laughs> no. I
0: mean, you know, you don't know how I move. Like boxes are packed, center of the room, color coded, maps and color codes for the new place. So everybody knows. Where, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a tight ship. Nice. And then I prefer just to move by myself. Yeah. Not have help. Don't pull anyone into it. Nah, mm, just messy that way. I Something mean, always gets broken.
1: When you look at our church. Yeah. What's your, what's your way of showing, like representing Jesus, right? Because that's what we're trying to represent.
0: I mean, when I look at our church, I I think, you know, when I see it a lot in the youth department, like I've never been denied anything as far as like, Hey, you know, I want to feed my middle school students because I'm feeding the middle school students of families who go to this church, but I'm also feeding a ton of middle school students whose families don't go to this church, but the middle school students have found it and they want to come. Because they want community. Mm-hmm. They want the games. They understand, like, yeah, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about life. But they come. And, I mean, I can have an amazing grocery bill because I'm feeding high school students of this church and high school students not of this church every Wednesday. And then on Wednesday night, I'm feeding middle school students of this church and middle school students that are not of this church, you know. A lot. And so it's a lot of food. Mm-hmm. And they call it the bacon budget. <laughs> you know, because we put bacon in everything, and and I've never been denied. I've never been told, like, hey, tithing is down, so can we cut out the food? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and people have been like, oh, well, Chris, maybe you should go to the parents and have them cook and everything. And I'm I'm like, yeah, I know I've got some parents that would, and they'd jump in. But, you know, it's just sometimes easier to manage if, you know, like, I went to the store, I have the stuff, I'm making pizzas tonight. And then I know that pizzas are on me to get them done instead of like, ooh, I got all these kids here and, oh, Peggy and John, they totally forgot, mm-hmm. you know, and I forgot to text and remind them and now we got no food, you know. And so one of the ways that I see our church has always had a strong, vibrant commitment to youth in our valley. Yeah. Like, you know, what do we need to do? Like when I have stood up and asked this body to, like, help kids go to camp, We need this much money. I've always got more than I need. I've never, you know, been like, ah, well, we asked. Sorry, Timmy, you can't go, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah. And so there is like a vested like commitment to youth. I mean, I've been a youth pastor for 20 years and, you know, still going. And I've always felt support here. Yeah. From the body from the people of the church not just the church management not just the church eldership not the leadership but like from the body mm-hmm. like Which you know what the church should be yeah. and so yeah and i mean i think that's a powerful statement because you make the point like yeah like you know you're really not getting anything in return Except maybe these kids who don't go to this church, they come to know Christ, they come to accept him. That's powerful. And then maybe they bring their parents, but not because we need more tithers, just because we need to spread more of God's love.
1: Yeah. I, I just see Jesus sitting. It's like, let the little children come to me. you know. Yeah. like
0: That's cool. Yeah. And
1: so as we get into that,
0: let's just jump over because John, the speaker, brought up this great point. And, and I think it's relative to both our generations, but it's the me gospel. And so you understand the me gospel, yeah. Once you break it down, so
1: you know we learn about Jesus, right? And like, oh wow, this Mm -hmm. is cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the Bible, you know. Yeah, and and I'll stop there. Yeah, I'll I'll live it for myself, and Uh I believe it, and yeah, I'll I'll love people if I think they're cool. Yeah, and but you know. Talking about it, that makes me kind of weird, so I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to share it with everybody.
0: But yeah, like, so there's this concept, that, you know, John three sixteen. like, we forget that Jesus and God gave up his one and only son for the world, you know, and then it becomes the me-centered gospel that, like, died Jesus for died for me. But I mean, he did die for me, but he died for me so that I might be so radically in love with him. I have to love other people. So they're like, what is up with this Chris guy? Why does he love so much? Well, because he knows Jesus died for him and he wants other people to know that Jesus died for them too. Mm -hmm. And so it does, it becomes this me gospel. Everything's about me, my relationship with God. You know, my relationship with God is not based on me to know God. It is. It is. But because I know God and I become more of God in that aspect of experiencing his love, I have to share more of his love.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you know, you know, you're like, you're getting ready for youth group and you got like, ah, oh, these are the kids that are going to be here tonight. And then you got like, you know, 15 kids you've never met before. And you're like, well, well, uh. but you, you, you have to have that mindset of like, this is so exciting. I've never met this kid before. I want to make sure they have the best night of their life. I want to make sure that they just experience love and acceptance, you know, but I think sometimes like, you know, in ministry maybe, or even just in your own events that you're planning, like when somebody else shows up that really wasn't in your mindset, you're like, well, how do I change everything? And why, why are they here? Mm -hmm. You know, but you have to have this, this mentality of like, everybody deserves love. Yeah. Even the person who doesn't in our cultural sense deserve love They deserve love. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Like your generation, like the younger people, you know, because I can speak for my older people. Like there are some people we want to love and some people we've written off. Why do we write people off?
1: How they act is usually why we write people off, right? How they present themselves. Uh And that goes off of, again, what the world defines as right and wrong, essentially, right? right? Mm -hmm. So someone wears this, oh, they're not cool. We're not going to talk to that person. So we base... We base on what's good and bad off of the wrong thing. Yeah, which I totally. Is the the root problem of that right? So, are we basing this uh, this person off as uh, son and daughter of God? Mm-hmm. or Are we basing them off of how high in the you know social scale are they? Yeah.
0: So no, totally. I mean, you know, but then when we look at the me gospel, then we should understand, like you know, as our vision of the gospel expands, we know that it's not about us. And so, when you say, like you know. Th- you said child of God, right? Well, what if somebody's not a child of God? What if they don't go to church? Do we have a right to not love them?
1: The, well, there's never, <laughs> there's, there's a right to hold people accountable Okay, that, that are in the family. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. And so if they're not, our only job to someone that is not in the family and that doesn't like, believe in Jesus, right, is to show them that love. Mm -hmm. That's our only job. That's your only job, yeah. It's not to tell them they're wrong. In a sense, we are telling them that they need help, right? Well, yeah. But not not outcasting them because of that. We love them because of that and trying to save them, essentially. And I mean, I think that's, like, just central. Like, you know, can we look at
0: everybody as they have a right to be loved, Mm -hmm. no matter what they've done? You know, I mean, because we do. We get into the cultural settings, you know. It's like, you know, I feel like, You know, I give anybody and everybody an opportunity and a chance to serve with middle school or Sunday school, you know. I mean, you know, like, you know, we're going to vet. We're going to have background checks. We're going to make sure, you know, children are safe. But if someone is, like, maybe a little different, you know, like, nah, dude, come and hang out with middle school students because we're all different, you know. And and so, you know, it is an opportunity for everybody to have a part to play and a voice in experiencing God's love. And so— Last thing we were going to look at was just John, the speaker, pulling from John, the author, really was explaining that the easiest and most fastest way to spread the gospel, which we are all called to do, we are all called to spread the gospel, is through love. And so... Maybe give me like your biggest place you've gone, your biggest ministry you've worked with and volunteered with and been involved with where you really saw the gospel being, being shared because people were being loved.
1: Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, it was, it's the podcast we do. Just okay. The, yeah. You know, comments we hear from that. And we're loving it in the sense of like we're giving up our, our time, right, to, yeah. to, to produce all this and talk about this and that hope yeah. that people… Figure out about Jesus' love or learn more about it. Yeah, um, and the, the you know those are the more tangible moments like mission trips and stuff mm-hmm. like that where yeah. you you help someone build a house or you you give them food and you just yeah. see that gratitude in someone's eyes mm-hmm. and you don't even have to mention the word Jesus they, yeah. they they know that you're a mission trip right so they automatically yeah. relate to like okay kind people they they love God so yeah. there must be something here yeah um, what about you is there a moment you've you is there a specific moment you remember just like loving someone and seeing, I
0: don't know. I mean, you know, sometimes like, you know, in my job as ministry, like (laughs) as crazy. It is like me loving on people who the church doesn't always love. Well, for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just like, no, I'm going to give them a chance. I mean, you know, they gotta have a chance. Now, if they fail and they burn the bridge or something like that, you know, then, okay, we'll talk to them about that. But uh, like, you know, so seeing it when people get a chance to serve when like, they've always been like, nah, man, no, nah, no, no, don't ask him, you know, or don't ask her, you know. But then I would say like, yeah, like this last year going to Mexico and working with that mission organization with YWAM, just the fact that like, boom, we built a house in a weekend. This family is totally blessed. And then understanding how much we changed their life because we were able to give them a cement floor and roof and walls. Mm-hmm. It just like, boom, this is God's love in action. And then, I mean, it's like even you, like the podcast that Luke's talking about is Fire Starters for Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, Fire Starters podcast, and it's a video podcast and an audio podcast where we just do a audio podcast, you know. But, I mean, yeah, like they put a lot of time in the production, Luke uses all of his talents, and it's reaching kids because they're excited to hear other people their age talking about Jesus and having a passion for Jesus. And so it is, it's, it's so like, that's our challenge, I think. And I think that's kind of what John, the speaker, John Golombos was laying before us is this is our challenge. Our challenge is to know how do we love? And I would, I would recommend like digging in with God and learning how much he loves you first and really reflecting on that and then allowing that to energize you to want to know other people who experienced that same love. What what, what would your landing statement here be?
1: Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) Just uh, knowing your definition of love, I think is really important because love is so convoluted these days and what what Mm -hmm. it means. So just dig into the word and know how God loved his son, loved Mm -hmm. his people, and how that sometimes also involves things that don't seem very loving in the moment, right? totally. So just, yeah, learning about that and knowing that, Sometimes love is, has discipline in it as well mm-hmm. to, make, to, make it, Absolutely. to make it real.
0: So. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yes. And so, yes. Go go just explore and find the true definition of love through the Bible, through God's love for you. Spend time with God. Uh, John the Speaker challenged anybody who's, like, tuning in to even this because we're kind of taking Sunday morning and making it come relevant again here in a midweek jolt. But, yeah, like. He challenged everybody, like, have you read 1 John? You know, because he's like, I've read 1 John, you know, and it, it can be a challenging book. But I mean, there's all these good things of the love that Jesus has for us, but this is where we're going. And so read 1 John, mm-hmm. 2 John, and 3 John. I mean, read them all. You know? Yeah. Hey, we thank you so much for tuning in. If you ever have any questions or comments, you can send them our way to root issues at ccasman.com hope this midweek jolt sent you some thoughts about love and we thank you for your time and your listening ears have a great week